You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. God sees the heart, and He knows our heart. And when we worship Him, and we express to Him, sometimes in a silent way, He receives that. But then there are those times when it is a shout, a shout of praise, where you lift up your voice, and you lift up holy hands, and you praise Him, and you worship Him, because He is worthy. Today, Pastor J.D. teaches us about two kinds of worship, silent and thunderously loud. God is the picture of perfection, and He is forever worthy of our worship. Pastor J.D. wants you to know that while sometimes quiet and silent worship is the best, at other times, it's necessary to lift your voice and hands in reverent worship of the Almighty. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 65 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. If you're feeling fearful, that never comes from the Lord. The Lord will never create a situation in your life or do anything that would cause you to fear. He cannot. That's not who He is. The enemy does. The enemy is right there to create this environment of fear, and he does it in such an insidious way. And it all starts in the mind. The battleground is in the mind. He starts putting thoughts in your mind, which is why it is so critical, so vital that we take every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. Satan is very clever, and he knows where our vulnerabilities are when it comes to fear. And he'll put thoughts in our mind, and it usually starts off with something like this, what if, what if, and then he sort of allows you to use that fallen (laughs) imagination that we all have, because our our minds are fallen, right? So he lets us kind of use that imagination in our fallen finiteness, and we fill in those blanks. What if my son is actually successful? Absalom is actually successful and does kill me, and this is how it ends. You're Paul. What if the enemy's right there? What if you don't go to Rome, and this is how it ends, and that's it? What if that happens to your son, to your daughter? What if, and fill in the blank with your wife, with your husband, with your friends, with your family? How about in the financial? What if you don't have enough money and you can't afford this? What if that happens. What if this happens? And the thing about fear is that it will take you as far down 
this road as is necessary for you to finally just give into despair. Here's the thing about fear. Fear basically says this, I don't trust you, Lord. I don't trust you. I don't trust that you have my best interests at heart. I don't trust that this is going to end in a way that is for my good and for your glory. I don't trust, Lord, that you are not going to allow the unthinkable to happen in my life. That's what fear says. That's what worry says. Worry says, I don't trust you, Lord. I don't trust you with my situation. I don't trust you with this financial obligation. I don't trust you with my son's situation, my daughter's, my family situation. Right now, what's going on in my life, everything is just in utter chaos, and it's brought much fear and consternation into my life. It it basically says, Lord, you have no control over this. Lord, you must not love me enough because obviously you've allowed this to happen. You don't, you don't care. You don't care about me. You don't care how difficult this is. You're not going to do anything about this. Can you imagine? I mean, here's our loving Heavenly Father who so loves us that He sent His only begotten Son to die for us. And here we are suggesting, I even dare say accusing God of His unwillingness to help us with this situation in our life. I think about what Paul said about how that if God's going to give us His Son, is there anything He's going to withhold from us? I mean, here we are, we're we're trusting God for that day when that trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise first, and we who are alive and remain are caught up to be with Him, and we can't trust the Lord for next month's rent payment. We can't trust the Lord for this prodigal son, this prodigal daughter. We can't trust the Lord for this financial need, and we're trusting the Lord to do this grand and glorious thing, and our redemption, that day of our salvation when we're taken up to be with the Lord. We're trusting Him for that, but we can't trust Him for this. It doesn't make sense, does it? I mean, it just, it has no basis in reality. But, but see, the enemy doesn't work in reality. The enemy is a liar. He's the father of lies. And he will plant those seeds, those lies in our minds. And if if we allow that to be met with the supple soil, a, a fertile soil in our mind, then it begins to germinate and sprout, and then it grows. And the enemy knows this. Well, but God. <laughs> has not given us a spirit of fear. Psalm 65. This psalm is to the chief musician. Again, it's a psalm of David, a song. Verse 1, praise is awaiting you, O God, in Zion, and to you the vow shall be performed. O you who hear prayer, to you all flesh will come. 
Iniquities prevail against me. As for our transgressions, you will provide atonement for them. Blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you, that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. Verse 5, it was interesting, I was thinking about this before I came tonight. This word awesome, by awesome deeds in righteousness you will answer us. We're going to see this again, but I just wanted to maybe take and tackle it now, if you'll just kind of hear me out. Wouldn't you agree that we've taken this word awesome, and we've sort of profaned it in the sense that we've made it common. We've assigned this word that really is a description of our awesome God, and we've brought it down into the arena of the profane. That's awesome. That's awesome. They're awesome. They're awesome? How about this one? You're awesome. I'll never forget first time. This is back in the 90s. Seems like so long ago. And I had this Christian brother. I don't know. I forget what I did or what I said or I don't know what it was. Maybe it was both. And he just looks at me and it was the first time I'd ever heard anybody say that. And then to have that said to me, it really threw me. And it made me feel really uncomfortable. He said, J.D., you're awesome. I'm like, <laughs> I'm awesome? Wow. Well, thank you very much. I guess I kind of am awesome. And oh my goodness, the Lord was right there going, really? You're awesome now. I, th I thought I was awesome. Well, you're awesome too, God, but Oh, we've so overused that word, and in so doing we have reduced that word and profaned that word. You'll forgive me, and I, but to me the word awesome is a word that should be reserved only for the Lord our God. He's awesome. And think about the word, the meaning of the word. It means to be in awe. <laughs> you, you, you're in awe of me, you poor pathetic soul. <laughs> if you're in awe of me, I need to pray for you. No, to be awesome is someone who you are just in awe of. That's what awesome means. And here David says, by awesome deeds in righteousness, you, speaking of God, will answer us, O God of our salvation. You, and notice it's capitalized, who are the confidence of all the ends of the earth and of the far off seas, who established the mountains by his strength. That's awesome. <laughs> Being clothed with power. You who still the noise of the seas, the noise of their waves and the tumult of the peoples. That's awesome. I don't do that. I can't do that. God does that. They also who dwell in the farthest parts are afraid of your signs. 
You make the outgoings of the morning and evening rejoice. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain for so you have prepared it. You, I like the emphasis on you, (laughs) speaking of God. You water its ridges, verse 10, abundantly. You settle its furrows. You make it soft with showers. You bless its growth. You crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. They drop on the pastures of the wilderness, and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks. The valleys also are covered with grain. They shout for joy. They also sing. Now keep in mind, this is a song. This was sung. This is a praise song. This is a a worship song that expresses, and it's magnificent in its expression of praise and worship. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but at the beginning of the song, David sort of refers to this silent, even reverent praise. And then by the time He gets to the end of the psalm after he's declaring the awesome nature of who God is and what God has done, the works of God, and how awesome is he. Then he ends the psalm with this exuberant shout of praise. Shout of praise. What do you think we're going to be doing for all eternity? Let me say it this way. In heaven. There's going to be a lot of shouting. There's going to be a lot of shouting of praise to the Lord. Now, there are those times when praise is reverent. Praise and worship is silent. And this is what David is referring to. And to me it speaks to those times when there is this holy hush of sorts, when it's beyond words. It's just a a cry. You know, some, even to their credit, some contemporary worship songs are more like a cry than they are, I think it was Charles Spurgeon who called them liquid prayers, liquid praise. Sometimes the, the cry, the moan beyond the words is more powerful than the words themselves, because God knows the heart. And instead of a shout of praise, it's more of a silent worship, a silent praise. G. Camel Morgan of this silent praise said, It is the true attitude of worship, reverent silence preparing for and issuing in adoring praise. The way into the silence of praise is described. God chooses and God causes to approach. The man so conducted dwells in the courts of God and is satisfied with the goodness of his house. Here's what I'm thinking lastly, we'll move on to Psalm 66. The one who knows the silence of praise is also the one who knows the shout of praise. Because from the heart comes the praise. 
Out of a man's mouth proceeds what is in his heart. And God knows the the heart. God sees the heart. And He knows our heart. And when we worship Him and we express to Him, sometimes in a silent way, He receives that. But then there are those times when it is a shout, a shout of praise, where you lift up your voice, and you lift up holy hands, and you praise Him, and you worship Him, because He is worthy. You know what the word worship comes from? Worthship. Worship is worthship. He is worthy of all of our praise. I think of in the book of Revelation, before the throne, worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Well, Psalm 66. This is to the chief musician, a psalm. Verse 1, here it is again. (laughs) Make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. Sing out the honor of His name. Make His praise glorious. Say to God, and here it is again as well, how awesome, awesome are your works. Through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. All the earth, verse 4, shall worship you and sing praises to you. They shall sing praises to your name. Selah. Again, Selah is a pause to consider, to meditate. Verse 5, come and see the works of God. And here it is again. He is awesome in His doing toward the sons of men. He turned the sea into dry land. That's awesome. Wouldn't you agree? They went through the river on foot. There we will rejoice in Him. He rules by His power forever. His eyes observe the nations. Do not let the rebellious exalt themselves. Selah. Verse 8, Oh, bless our God, you peoples, and make the voice of His praise to be heard. In other words, loud enough where people can hear it. Who keeps our soul, verse 9, among the living, and does not allow our feet to be moved. For you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. You brought us into the net. You laid affliction on our backs. You have caused men to ride over our heads. We went through the fire, and through water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. I will go into your house with burnt offerings. I will pay you my vows, which my lips, verse 14, have uttered, and my mouth has spoken when I was in trouble. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that when you usually make these commitments to God? God, if you'll get me out of this mess, I I promise you, I vow to you that I will, and you can fill in the blanks. I'll, I'll tithe extra this week. <laughs> I'll serve uh, in this area, and I'll do this, and I'll do that, and I, I'll, I'll not do that if you'll just get me out of this. It's all, always when we're in trouble. Verse 15, I will offer you burnt sacrifices of fat animals with the sweet aroma of rams. 
I will offer bulls with goats, Selah. Come and hear, verse 16, all you who fear God, and I will declare what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. Verse 18 is interesting, and a couple of commentators have some thoughts on it. I'll just share with you my, my take on it very briefly. He says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. This is sometimes the reason for unanswered prayer. There's willful disobedience in our lives, and it's not that God won't answer the prayer. He wants to answer the prayer, but He cannot answer the prayer because there's iniquity in our heart. We cherish it. We regard it. We love it. So He's saying, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. And this is the psalmist's way of saying, search my heart, O Lord, like Isaiah says, and see if there be anything at all that's keeping me from hearing you, knowing you, loving you. And God will. That's a good prayer. That's a prayer God will answer. When you just open yourself up to the Lord, you say, Lord, search my heart. I don't want there to be anything at all in my heart, in my life, that would be a hindrance to my serving you, my knowing you, my loving you, and furthermore, a hindrance to you answering the cry of my heart. But, verse 19, certainly God has heard me. In other words, <laughs> I did not regard iniquity in my heart, so God did hear me. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, who has not turned away my prayer, nor His mercy from me. I wanted to end with this psalm, because I cannot think of a better way to end. It's really a psalm about the Lord's mercy, the Lord's grace, the Lord's deliverance. There are some who debate who the author of this psalm is. Some believe that it was written by King Hezekiah, which would make sense because the psalm seems to reference the Lord delivering the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the Assyrian army. We've talked about this before. Regardless of whether or not it was Hezekiah who wrote it, I think the takeaway is a very powerful one because it speaks to, again, how awesome God is how merciful God is. He's an awesome God. He's a merciful God. He's a delivering God. And this is what He has done. And this is why He is worthy of all of our praise. There's a lot to learn from the book of Psalms, and we're so glad you've joined us to sift through it all with Pastor J.D. Farag on In Spirit and Truth. The range of emotions expressed in the pages we've been studying give us an accurate and beautiful picture of our Heavenly Father, the almighty and loving Creator of the world. Before we end our time with you today, we'd like to share how you can access more of these messages right now. Simply visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on Listen to search through our archive of Pastor J.D.'s teachings. You can even take these messages with you on the go with our mobile app. 
Find a link to our app on our website or search for In Spirit and Truth in your app store. This will provide you with hours of insight into the Bible, helpful links, and access to the latest editions of Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update. In these updates, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them to the prophecies of the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. These messages are new each weekend and will help you put world events into an eternal perspective. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are also available to watch on our YouTube channel, which you can access through our website. Again, that address is inspiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen to God's Word today. We pray it's blessed and encouraged you greatly. Pastor J.D. will continue studying through the book of Psalms when you join us next time, right here on In Spirit and Truth. <laughs> 